Please don't mind all the sweat. I was just outside gardening for the last hour or so. Right now in the clearing out stuff stage for a little herb garden next to the house. But have let it get a little overgrown, so it's taking a lot of work. Those plants really sneak up on you, honestly. Once you get like a month into spring and you're just like, oh my god. I thought things were going to grow at the same rate they did in winter, and that is not the case. That's okay, we're getting there. Yeah? Sort of. <laughs> Got most of the stuff cleared out in the area where we want to plant stuff, so steps. Then you can have your own little herbs. Herbs. So I, for the longest time, I always said herbs because that's how people told me it was supposed to be. Then I realized people just say herbs in other countries, and now mm-hmm. I like that more. I just, yeah. I, I just do. It's the American pronunciation versus the British English. Yeah, but one of those usually you don't drop the a letter like usually mm-hmm. americans are just like well i guess usually americans are dropping letters but it's reflected in the spellings like aluminum not the case with her well is aluminum isn't spelled aluminium in england is it i thought it was huh i guess i just never that's weird that we just have a different spelling of <laughs> aluminum like a science it's like one thing to have a different spelling of color because it's like okay whatever yeah but like an element to have a different spelling of an element? Yeah, Americans are wrong there. Yeah, that's and I'm fine. I, I've, I've just been used to aluminum forever, so that's how it's going to be. I'm, I'm never saying aluminum. If, I, if that ever comes a conversation, the conversation would stop and everyone would go, well, yeah. what did you just say? Right. You're just drawing attention to yourself for no reason. <laughs> I did my I did my this weekend. Yes. You top aided? Yeah, but I didn't. I didn't win. I know. I'm sorry. It was fun. I wanted for you to have to come to Dallas with us. I was very happy about my... I lost in the semifinals, right? But I was very happy mm-hmm. about the semifinals matchup because it was blue black control. Oh, also, my opponent was like super nice and chill and he was great. I actually really appreciate that a human being. But the match was a slaughter. It was not competitive. I just got destroyed. And it's not... Did you get like narcited? Is it Was it a narcid blue black control? Or they like did what? have narcids, which I saw in game one. I, in game one, my hand is uh, like land, land, sylvan scrying impulse or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't have another three cards. That That's my four card hand. <laughs> and yeah, tough to win from there. My spells got thought seized before I was able to do anything. Yeah. So I didn't win that one. And the next my game was not much better. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny because the finals was going to be me and Josh Serrano. Mm-hmm. who we we played last week and i destroyed him he was not willing to play me again <laughs> uh we were just really gonna battle for the computer that they had for first place because neither of us like com- yeah computer a whole computer what what kind what type of computer i don't know they just i, I wasn't super worried about it. it looked like pretty fancy i think it was like you That's- know capital g gaming computer or whatever Wow, like a gaming laptop or a no? A gaming... It was a tower. Wow, that was that's really weird. The first place prize, and me and Josh both wanted this more than we wanted the invite. <laughs> yeah, it sounds cool. Uh, so if we had both made it to the finals, it was it was clearly going to be a battle for you know first place gets the computer, second place gets the invite, <laughs> and I was the only person there playing Louisville. I'm like that's 
so wild. There were five people last weekend playing Willow's Field, and some of them are in this room. Everyone switched off the deck except for me. <laughs> but no one switched off their sideboard hate and in fact played a lot more of it. Uh-huh. So like my round one, I played against what I thought was an Omnath Bring Delight deck. Because I killed him in game one so fast, I didn't realize it was a Nip Mizzet deck. Which doesn't super matter as far as gameplay wise. They're just gonna have like the same cards. But in game three, my opponent notion thieves me. Which oh, 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 ouch. That hurt. Like in response <laughs> to, to a... the pages. Yeah, it was like, oh, oh buddy, that whoo. You got me there. Uh, and then untaps, plays Niv Mizzet, reveals ten cards, puts only one card into hand which is an unworn ego. And there are three damping spheres in the pile of 10 cards. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm oh like, boy. all right. Uh, okay. So we're, we don't have Lotus Field next game. That's fine. <laughs> so I scoop game two. Actually, I'm dead. Like I can't win with this board in my hand right now. So I actually target him with appear into the abyss to see if he'll just discard a bunch of cards. But he ends up countering it, which was kind of heads up because he started just to be like, I mean, okay, I'll draw half my deck. Why not? <laughs> but then he started counting out the number of cards he draws. I was like, this is too much work. I'm just going to counter it. <laughs> and I was sad. <laughs> and in game two or three, I'm just like, all right, my plan is I'm going to copy lands with Thespian Stage and cast all these creatures out of my sideboard. And I won yep, in creature combat. My Against point, that many damping yeah. spheres. Yeah. My opponent. Unmoored egoed me to name Lotus Field. And mm -hmm. I had one in my hand, which I did not play on turn three because I did not want to get Damping Sphered. <laughs> so I drew a card off that. That was great. And I won with creatures. And my opponent had a bunch of bad cards. Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode 286 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina. We are your hosts. I'm Chris Castor-Rappel. With me is Lee McLeod. Hi, Lee. Hi, Chris. Lee, congratulations on your RCQ Top 8 this weekend. <laughs> it's just a Top 8. Oh my goodness. Because <laughs> we do not have to make a big deal out of this. <laughs> Too bad. This is, we're going to just mention it multiple times. I should have kept the, the cold open going for long. I don't know how much you recorded just because I didn't mention that I read the whole New Phyrexia story. So I'm caught up on that now. I am not. I Stuff happened, you know? Yeah. I'm sure that there is some amount of stuff in there that is interesting and rewarding, but I can't say that I am engaged in the magic storyline in any meaningful way. I would score it better than usual, but that's a very low bar. That's cool. The main magic lore thing that I engaged in recently was some art that I I don't know what it's from, but it came out from the new set and it is a 100% like kink inspired art of uh here, oh, let, me, it's, let me just is the, is the Ashiok thing? I, I thought that I, card was Ashiok. Maybe Ashiok. But... I think it's actually it looks like Ashiok, but I I have heard that it's actually someone else. Ashiok's not the story at all, so when I saw the art, I'm like, that looks assy. Just a gray-skinned looking person. But and you can't see the top half of their face, so. 
No, but the way that they are like holding the head of the person who is biting into their arm and then like black ichor is leaking out, it is... I mean, it is, you know, vampire inspired and vampires are always have like a like deep erotic component to it. But this is just the most like blatant fetish magic art that I've seen since like Earthbind or whatever. Does Ashiok and, have uh, like talons? Because that's what this person I, I, has. He kind of does. I don't think it's Ashiok because it's clearly a Phyrexian and we don't have like a completed Ashiok going on or anything. So, yeah. They kind of like hinted Ashiok would be in the Phyrexian story with the whole Theros Beyond Death story. But mm. I guess he just like did care. Or they didn't care. I couldn't say. I don't have any engagement with it besides my appreciation of this like this art. <laughs> obvious fetish art just making its way onto a magic card. Uh, and you got to give them what you can because they're editing penises out of like secret layers now. So Yeah, I mean, you just need to be a little. And honestly, like penises aren't like sexy. They're funny. Yeah. And so that's a shame that real they edited looking. the funny penis out of the magic art. Like, that was a real letdown. But you got to be a little more subtle for it to be like, oh, that's hot. And uh, who is this? Aurora Falney nailed it with this one. Good job. Yeah, and we have no idea what the card is because none of the cards are spoiled yet. Except for a random I... battle that got spoiled today, which no one knows what it does. No one knows the mechanics of it. There's a stream tomorrow as of this recording. Oh, yeah, but we they are speculating and or arguing yeah. about oh it. Oh, my God. Can you guys shut up for like a day? We don't need to speculate on what the mechanic you've imagined this card has. <laughs> it's also not like definitely not the mechanic for all battles. Like it's the mechanic for sieges, sieges which are yeah. a battle subtype because the reminder text is for sieges. So it, it's something where you play it. It has an effect, and then you have to attack it, and if you attack it hard enough, then you get a backside effect. We don't know exactly how it works, but that is the reminder text kind of explaining that is for sieges, which is the subtype. So battles do various things, it seems, is implied by that. Yeah, we'll see what the... I, I, I imagine, you know, to speculate my own, that they're going to keep them all consistent in the first set they introduce battles, but battle as a type can just exist and be like a permanent you can attack, I think. That isn't a planeswalker. Yeah. That seems fine. Yeah, so we're not going to do too much like arguing over like is the mechanic good, is the card design good, or anything like that. Because well, obviously don't actually bad because it's a skyclave on the back, and I'm tired of that. See, I don't think it matters that much that it says skyclave on the back because the back, the name of the backside card is borderline irrelevant to discussion of the card. Yeah, but when I don't have any knowledge of the mechanics, I really got to dig deep. To get offended by to the find card. something to be mad about. Yeah. yeah. I do think it's funny that so because it's a Zendikar card, they made the backside like a a land creature, but because you have to cast it under the rules yeah, for their sieges, it has to like have the text on the card that says, This is also a land when it's in play. And they could have just not made it a land and not have to have such weird text on it. Big life what life from limb energy the one that makes all your forests into saplings and all your saplings into forests yeah that card i think most judges would appreciate it if you never registered that card i don't think anyone i mean i'm sure people have because i've seen weird combo decks but mm -hmm. no one does no, anyone who's registering that card knows to... all, the, all the ins and outs of the rules because they've gone way too deep yeah just trust the opponent on this one if somebody plays it against you and the, the judge comes over and then the life from one player just like walking through the layers <laughs> In other news, 
Steven Dykeman won both of the NRG tournaments this past weekend, creating perhaps the funniest leaderboard I've ever seen, where first place has 60 points and second place has 27. Yeah, he. I know we played Rakdos in Pioneer with a Shota's deck, I believe, because mm-hmm. Shota's Rakdos deck is just fantastic. I don't know what he won with in Modern, because it was double format, right? It was one Modern, one Pioneer? He was on Rhinos. On Rhinos, okay. I, I actually wanted to say that, not because I knew that, but if I had a feeling that's what Dykeman would play. <laughs> yeah. I know that the deck is fine, and I know there are weekends for it, and I know that my bias against Rhinos mostly comes from the fact that like I've never registered a deck with a bad Rhinos matchup, and so it just like seems like a wet noodle deck to me because I'm usually like 60% against it, but obviously sometimes there's just like Yawgmoth decks and stuff around, and then you just wallop them. Rhinos is a really funny deck to hate, or like think is, like go on a currency that it's bad against, because it's it's like won a lot of tournaments and it's clearly a fine deck it'll show up at every modern yeah. tournament and then everyone including the people winning with it are like this deck's bad and it's just like kind of fun <laughs> i mean yeah it well it does exactly one thing which is like make four four tramples for like a reasonable discount and you do that enough and you beat the people that that is that like four fours are good against and you lose to the people that are just like here's a tarmogoyf and whatever yeah or just is not good against multiple axes of interaction because like suspending yeah. the footfalls on turn one is really strong as a backup plan to your cascade nonsense because you can just interact interact cascade they have to do something then rhinos come down yeah i got no problem with rhinos it's also the best fire ice deck and you know icing people just really messes them up and makes them die to rhinos that has plenty of good things going for it if i ever play rhinos it's solely because i like the card fire ice or, or half of it I like ice. Yeah. Oliver also top aided with rhinos, so it obviously was a good weekend for rhinos. So, mm-hmm. a totally fine deck. But we're not really here to talk about modern because there's not really relevant modern stuff coming up as far as we're concerned, at least. Hey, the uh, next Pro Tour, like a, a few Pro Tours from now, that one's modern. That's the Pro Tour that. Is that. Wait, is that the Pro Tour that this upcoming regionals qualifies for or the next regionals? I believe it's the next regionals, but okay. don't so the one that I'm going to, to be playing in. Yes. So at some point in the next year, I may have to care about. I may have to really buckle down on modern, but that's, yeah, once that's you qualify for the tour. Yes, but for right now, we are going to talk some standard because we got a little bit more RC results. The second Canada regionals happened this past weekend, as well as China's regionals, with two extremely different alternate universe paths that the metagame took in in each of these regions which is cool and fun and interesting and then we've got a little bit of explorer to talk about i've been playing some because i'm gonna play in the qualifier weekend and stuff qualifier season and you know i can talk about it a little bit but holy cow what a tough format to get a handle on what exists in the format yeah i i haven't looked at edit any also could you can you link me the china results i don't have that uh, yeah, it's on Melee only and also kind of difficult to find. Oh, it's in Chinese, of course. Uh, yeah, that makes it harder to find. And also the decklist categories don't really work because people submitted their decklists in Chinese. In Chinese. Yeah. And so now we have a tournament breakdown that is the top played deck is all other decklists with 131 <laughs> copies. And the number two deck is Grixis Midrange with five. Okay, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, 
is it Power Stones? That deck's sick. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about the China metagame <laughs> in a little bit. Okay, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I mean, I think the Canada results are a little more relevant to us because it's kind of the evolution of the sort of North America metagame and what we've been talking about and kind of what we've been seeing in the challenges as well, which I should also pull up the challenges. I think the big story from the Canada RC, uh, and we will get a more updated and like right on the verge of regionals episode next week with Collins coming in and guesting. But, you know, we just want to kind of keep touch with the metagame right now so we can see how it is evolving. The big story here is basically Grixis, if we're talking literal Grixis here, got kind of ranched this weekend in Canada. It had about a 46% win rate and doesn't appear at all in the top 16. But I think that that is a little bit misleading to state it that way because Rakdos did very well, put a bunch of copies in the top 16, put one copy in the top eight. And this is really just an evolution of the Grixis archetype. Grixis has stayed good in standard. People have adapted to the deck and then Grixis has adapted right back. And so what we're seeing here is cutting a color because basically the only things in the deck that were using blue mana were corpse appraisers in the main, maybe a counter spell or two, and then a couple more counter spells in the sideboard. And once you hit a more aggressive metagame, especially one heavily featuring Esper Legends, and you need to adapt to the existence of that deck, which is good against the slower versions of Grixis, you realize you don't really want to play as grindy of a game with Corpse Appraisers. You want your mana base to be better. And uh, Graveyard Trespasser is actually just the better three drop on the board in a lot of these matchups where both you want to kill your opponent pretty quickly and you want to survive a little bit better against your aggressive opponent. And so then you get to just cut a color, play Rakdos, and uh, Rakdos had about a 60% win rate at the Canada RC. So it was the choice for this tournament. And uh, to be fair also, it was a lot of strong players playing the Rakdos deck, so I'm sure that helped increase its win rate. Yeah, but there there are also strong players in other decks. You know, mm. it's, it's kind of a wash. I think like the connected, the connected players who played a version of you know red black something in this tournament like got the Rakdos deck list and then were playing that. So yes. a lot of the stronger players were you know pushed into Rakdos because they heard it was good from other people. Yeah, I think it's a good evolution to the Grixis deck, especially with the prevalence of Esper as well as just people trying to field ruining them out. I remember that uh, Collins and Allen were playtesting a bunch on Saturday because Allen wasn't playing and Collins very soon in the tournament was not playing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they played a bunch <laughs> of standard. And one of the things they were discussing was like how many basics you should be playing in all these decks. And Collins said that three is usually the number you want to play, like the, the minimum if you don't want to get just like kind of hosed out by a bunch of people playing Field of Ruins because that was very popular mm-hmm. in Magic Online. Uh, and this deck just kind of has like a million basics eight, in it. Eight or 11, yeah, yeah. You're not, Field of Ruin just isn't even good against you. And, and you still have the grinding power because of cards like Reckoner Bankbuster still. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Corpse Appraiser is a good card, but clean up your mana base, reduce your vulnerability to Field of Ruin, especially like you don't want to be playing these longer games. And even the Grixis decks that we see, like most people 
were going heavily on main deck cutdowns. It's your best card against Esper and also really helps against the other aggro decks. That just kind of changes the matchup around, taking less damage off your lands, having the mana to cast your spells on time. And then I think you're just much stronger against the other three color decks, especially the ones that are trying to kill you with like their attack trigger creatures and stuff like that. Yeah, I know that in day one, uh, there's a Selesnya Toxic player who is going undefeated or near undefeated. It looks like 7-1. Mm -hmm. uh, and just having a bunch of cutdowns in your main deck is also good against decks like Toxic and Soldiers and stuff like that too. Yeah, I mean, and that is a secondary effect of this. Oh, we need to adapt our Grixis deck into a deck that can beat Esper Legends, drop a color, cheapen our removal, engage them on earlier turns. That also has a secondary effect, just demolish soldiers this weekend. It had like a 36% win rate or something like that in this tournament. It was not, not the choice for this one. Yeah, it, it did not show up. So it did win a standard challenge, so it's, it's got that going for it. Yeah, and I mean, this is just a reflection of how meta games can differ between, you know, one place or, and another, or alternatively, how you can spike a tournament by, like, just getting the right matchups, even in an unfriendly tournament. I also get the sense that Rakdos is a little slow to catch on online. Uh, a lot of people will just still jam in Grixis. Yeah, and I mean, I don't think that Rakdos is going to stay the go-to. That's a metagame adaptation that I think does reduce some of the, you know, if there's just like a power level rating, if you just scan a deck and you're like, how strong is this deck? Like the deck is stronger when it has Corpse Appraiser and when it can counter big spells, but that doesn't matter. What matters is how strong you are in the matchups you play. But once the metagame shifts again, because I think like one way to take advantage of these Rakdos decks being the way that they are is to be a bigger deck than them. Like, they're playing Cutdown's main, so if you're playing Memory Deluge, you probably can take advantage of that situation. So, once that happens, I don't know, if if it's, like, Mono White that comes in and just is bigger with bigger Planeswalkers and stuff like that and more card advantage, or if it's something like Blue-White Control that casts Memory Deluge and just buries this deck that is is playing a few too many cheap spells and only really has Invoke Despair as a way to, like, climb that card advantage ladder I, I think that there are ways to exploit this Rakdos deck that will push it back into the more like larger mid-rangey version if it doesn't have to worry about Esper Legends as much anymore yeah especially like you said the, the, the more people try to go over the top yeah but it's very possible that like this weekend is a good time to go over the top with you know blue cards or big white cards or something like that can we talk about this Jeskai control deck that Patrick yes. played it like in that vein? Yeah, that had four copies of a counterspell that I had to look up the text of. Oh, see, I knew this one. It's a sweet one. It's Disruption Protocol. Uh, it's it's counterspell, like big C counterspell, except for you have to pay an extra one or tap an untapped artifact you control. Yeah, with one copy of that like one mana instant that makes a that makes glues yes. or whatever. Those played against me this weekend at Pioneer. <laughs> Out of yeah. creativity. Ooh, fancy. The worst hard evidence you could possibly imagine. But it's sweet if you ever flash it back. Yeah. That's so you're paying mana to crack the clues, and then you're paying like four mana to flash it back. Are you look, some people are willing to spell spend three mana at instant speed to draw a card. 
some people are willing to spend eight to draw two. It's just like, what mm. kind of player are you? Not that kind. <laughs> I put a copy into a limited deck once and just like regretted it immediately. Yeah, it's because you weren't playing Disruption Protocol. <laughs> yeah, I that's true. I'm I'm sure that that makes it better. Only one copy of Secrets of the Key in this deck, though. It's not really the main plan to have Counterspell up on turn two after that. Yeah, I think mostly you're looking to double spell with a counter spell up is the plan because you've got fables and reckoner ring busters and just yeah uh, just random cards like that I, I think that holding up either a reckoner bank buster activation or disruption protocol tapping bank buster is kind of the main interaction there mm -hmm. it's cool and and you win with sanctuary warden <laughs> yeah you win with whatever you've got wandering emperor you got fables like you just kind of take over the game with memory delusion removal spells yeah it's it's really a classic control deck in that you win the game because your opponent can no longer win it, and then you just win with whatever. It's, and you don't have like this overpowered big control finish or like Torrential Gear Hulk or Pearl Lake Ancient or whatever. You're just playing a card you have that is the purpose is to make sure you can win in time. Right. And I, I think Sanctuary Warden is slightly for that role and also just because it's kind of the only like big sorcery speed you can cast versus invoke despair without feeling like i really can never cast this spell it's the only white card in the deck in, in the oh and oh, the wandering emperor as well yeah gotta run wandering emperor yeah, that card's fantastic kind of wild though to i like these cards do all work together and are are strong but yeah you have to play a wedge deck which the mana is not the best for yeah, I mean, we've got two copies of Xander's Lounge uh, because there's no Rogren Trial. This is just a yep. blue-red land we're allowed to play. But a, a, a well-built deck, and definitely shout-out to Patrick Wu for this one. I think it's worth trying as a bigger deck that takes advantage of, you know, a Rakdos deck that's running a bunch of cutdowns and not as much, you know, it's, it's three-drop doesn't draw cards anymore. Yeah, and I, I wonder how much... Like, this is the type of deck I think is very strong against something like Rakdos and does mm -hmm. struggle a little more against Grixis where they have a lot more reach and counter spells. Yeah. yeah. So I wonder I mean, if the Patrick fact that was can... also a beneficiary of, like, Rakdos being on the rise in this tournament. I, I think he definitely was. I think that this is a deck that's well-built and maybe kind of a week ahead of time. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Still cool, though. Yeah, definitely. I definitely am a, a little more fan of this style of... Uh, control deck than like the kami war which is just a little too vulnerable for my liking yeah and i mean you know joking about this is a wedge mana base but that's still two fewer colors than a <laughs> color deck so you're gonna you're not gonna go third as often with this deck um give me one second i have to check on the dog okay i'm back <gasps> hello is shadow with you hello. in the room right yeah, now? yeah she's right here She's just short, so you can't see her. I know, I know how short this works. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to talk about Pascal Maynard's enchantments deck? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I'm into this deck. I, I'm i not, but tell me why. Well, so I'm into this deck for, like at a specific moment, right? Which is when you are trying to be card advantage and not get run over by the smaller decks at the same time, but be tough for the Rakdos deck to like interact with super effectively and so that's this like Jukai naturalist 
enchantment deck that just is like a lot of card advantage is some good removal in ossification it is a little weird because you're just playing like wedding announcement as like it has the right card type but kind of sucks in your deck a little bit yes so you know weird stuff there also i'm never sold on shigeki jukai visionary as a card but i love that card it's an enchantment i know i know but like as a way of kind of attacking the format and having the ability to grind and just like out muscle like rakdos decks i think it like makes a certain amount of sense overall power level is kind of low like a lot of your cards like kind of aren't great so that you know that's a little difficult and sometimes you will just lose to rakdos because like every one of their cards is good and yours aren't and you get like your one enchantment thought seized or something and you don't really draw another one but there's a place for this deck i so this deck looks to me or reads to me like someone understands that the mid-rangey card advantage style decks are good in the format but does not want to play a bunch of mirror matches <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that's exactly what this feels like to me and i know sure. pascal maynard just does like pretty much does his own thing whatever he thinks is good pretty much all the time so this makes sense to me just like all right we're, we're gonna play the type of magic that is good in this format but but gonna do it this way <laughs> And sometimes you just play a deck that nobody has a sideboard plan against. And in a regional championship type field, I think that can be an advantage. I also think the card Hallowed Haunting, which is a card that makes spirits whenever you cast an enchantment that are huge, equal to the mm-hmm. number of other spirits you control. Uh, that card is like really surprisingly strong in this kind of deck. Yeah, when you're on tap with it, it just like is Shark Typhoon. <laughs> yes, hard cast Shark Typhoon that you have to work a little harder for yeah but only in deck building not in um yeah not in play the game itself well i mean you can always cycle shark typhoon so shark typhoon does not ask very much for you at any point yes <laughs> we can go into china now if you want and i don't really yeah. have that much to say with the enchantment deck it's just like kind of neat and i don't expect to ever see it again yeah probably sure i mean there may be like a copy in a top 16 in like each of the upcoming regionals or something like that it's not going to be a mainstay of the format or anything I, like the that. problems with it i have are just like you're playing a couple weak cards to match your theme but your theme mm-hmm. is still not doing something uniquely strong yeah and i think teachings of the kirin is just like a pretty bad magic card that yes. you really need to you need like like the the enchantment decks kind of existed and the printing of ossification was like a big deal to help it out because there was no enchantment removal spell that you could put in that slot and so that's kind of huge for it but the fact that you're also playing teachings of the cure and as a two drop is like a big strike against the deck yes yeah. <laughs> but yes for so for the chaotic chinese regionals metagame i'm, I'm pretty sure this is the regional championship because it says that in the like name it of says, the tournament it says on melee to rc unfortunately it's got that be. is the only english text in the title yes so pretty sure it's the rc it also like didn't really show up on any of the aggregators so you know that like isn't ideal and the banner says mtg china open which is not descriptive and also would not be correct but i'm gonna assume this is the regional championship because it does say cycle to rc in the, in the title on melee so 
And if I could read Chinese, format. I would have a lot more information. But unfortunately, I cannot. No. I never learned. But assuming this is the RC. You okay there? <laughs> I, man, I don't know. This like new paradigm that we're in does toss you for a loop or two every now and again. You just got to roll it, you know? Yeah. So anyways, one by Rakdos Reanimator, which in a way is kind of going the other way in the format. It's like rather than getting really small because or, you know, getting lower to the ground, getting more combat focused and just playing an early game deck that like uses Fable as its late game generally and, and a couple of Shieldreds, it is much bigger. It's got a bunch of Atraxas and Cruelty of Gix in it. And in some ways that is like better than Corpse Appraiser Grixis against Esper Legends because you can afford to run more cheap removal in, in spots where you need like flexible threats or whatever in the other deck. Uh, you can run Cutdowns and Brotherhood's Ends and Abraid's main deck because your like entire late game is kind of taken care of so you don't need to be as flexible with all those slots so in some ways it's like a little bit better than grixis against the aggressive decks i don't think it's as good as rakdos with uh graveyard trespassers and a very low curve and a lot of cutdowns but i i can kind of see the purpose of it but it is a less reliable deck that just kind of chokes on itself sometimes and is probably not one that i like super recommend but it did okay there are a couple of appearances of this deck in the top 16 of the chinese tournament yeah and this is not the only like a lot of people tried to take this approach of going bigger like we've got another reanimator in 10th uh, just looking yeah. at the top 16 and then there's another uh, not a reanimator deck, but another big go big deck in the five color control deck. Not a common war deck, but the herd migration deck, which is also five yeah, color. Yeah, even another like very go big deck in fourth place with that is it power stone yes, deck. I so, want to finish that one last because I like that one the most. <laughs> yeah, but but it's like kind of in the same category, and so this is the the Chinese metagame is just straight up different from. Like there were different goals going into this tournament, and people got rewarded for doing pretty big stuff in it. Even though there is quite a bit of Esper Legends hanging around, it didn't quite not as much at the top table as it looks like. This tournament rewarded a different approach from the the Canadian RC. Yeah, and I see a lot of Grixis in this tournament, and I also see several control decks, including the Power Stone decks, with just a bunch of field ruins. So that is still a thing that is, you know, being hashed out. Yeah. I, I guess I just, I guess that is just another way that you can go. Like people didn't super adjust their, you know, the, the Rakdos midrange deck didn't really appear in place of the Grixis deck. These Grixis decks are still playing like Make Disappears and, you know, a Blade Coil Serpent and their Corpse Appraisers. And so... As long as you keep playing against the Grixis decks, then playing a bigger thing can be a huge payoff. Uh, this is also a reason I think that we see a reasonable amount less mono white in the in the top of the part of this tournament, because getting an attracts in play against mono white is usually pretty good. They're not great against you drawing that many cards. And they're terrible at removing it. Like well, they've got ossification. Ossification and destroy evil, but 
And sometimes I've had an Atraxa lay down arms as well, so. Ooh, I haven't seen that one yet. Yeah, I mean, sometimes they have seven planes. Yeah, I can feel everyone does that, huh? <laughs> yep. And uh, Restoration of Iganjo helps get you there, like, pretty reliably. But the cards is not something there. The cards is not... And, and also, like, looping cruelties of Gix, like, can overwhelm them pretty severely, since they're not great at, like, pressuring you through that. If you're, like, trading cards, then you just, like, start cruelty of Gixing them out of the game. Uh, that That is very good against Mono White. And I still haven't seen a Mono White deck with a good early game. Like, everyone's still doing Ambitious Farmhand and a Spirited Companion as, like... These are the cards I'm playing. They draw a card, but they don't do anything outside of that, really. Yeah, and like they have Reckoner Bankbusters, but there's really no way of doing the the switch up where Rakdos is like, here's Reckoner Bankbuster. I'm going to draw some cards with, oh, you need, like, I need to kill you. I'm just going to play a creature and attack you with Reckoner Bankbuster now. Uh, like, White doesn't really have any ways of standing up their Bankbuster early on. Yeah, it's just all one ones or two ones if they're three drops or lauren or something like that so definitely like a weakness of the white deck it just cannot pressure and has to rely on just like trading cards and ending up like you have to commit to the grind and eventually just deal with every single card from your opponent and then have more left and then like annoy them to death with whatever creatures you have i'm sure we'll talk more about this deck next week when collins is on because i know he's actually been really enjoying it and he's built his yeah, deck I, a lot differently i and I, I i do think there's ways to build it well and i think it, it is a good deck in the format but that's just a clear weakness of it and one that like is exploitable when people are doing cruelty of gicks in the format you can't <laughs> punish that the way you can if you just decide to start attacking with your blood tithe harvesters yeah it does not have the same impact when your your good little boy is coming in for one yeah, we. I can still afford to pay three life to my five mana saga when that's happening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So wildly different format over in China. I kind of expect our regionals to be more of an evolution of the format we saw in Canada, just because like it's close geographic and yeah. And also, there's a lot of overlap in known players and information coming down from canada way more than there is like Japan, uh, china yeah right like i i can't read a sideboard guide or deck guide from these chinese players easily because we just have that language barrier yeah which, which makes finding the mtg melee page hard <laughs> yeah right it was like tough to even find the tournament results so there you go taking a quick peek at the standard challenge um you know this is not a place where the transition over to Rakdos has been made either. These Grixis midrange decks, like the Saturday second place deck, is a four corpse appraiser deck to make Disappear's main deck, four counterspells in the sideboard, a Leer in the sideboard. I have not seen that one actually ever before. Yeah, well, I wonder what the deal with that is. I mean, it's in the like additional Blade Coil Serpent spot, so it's just like a big spell i guess that's okay i like Lear. i won a bunch of games with it last weekend i mean doesn't die to cut down or a braid so like you have to have the go for the throat for it yeah <laughs> i don't, I don't but... really have anything to add this is just it's weird seeing a Lear there but i like the card and i do think it's strong if you can finagle its way into play yeah for sure that that just seems like 
you know, a ri- it's it's like the children thing, right? Like it is always like a you're always looking at your children. Like how many of these am I supposed to have in my deck after boarding in this matchup? Because it's real good if they don't have an answer to it, but it's really bad if they just like end of turn go for the throat it and then just like crush me. So kind of same thing. At least with Lear, you're guaranteed to get a little bit of value out of it. You can always play him on turn like six and cut down something. Uh, not nearly as good as the Fading Hope interaction in some previous Lear decks, mm-hmm. where you could always Fading Hope Lear back to your hand if you needed to. Yeah. But you, you still can get some value out of it in a way that you can't with Shieldred, but it's so much more mana. That's that's true. And and I, I think, like, especially in games where you're duressing each other and stuff, you, you kind of want things that you can just slam and, and they're doing something for you. Both the Saturday and Sunday tournament on Saturday max attack and then on sunday andrew ellen mogan top aided with their like monastery swift spear version of the rakdos deck which is kind of like the rakdos deck that got switched to that that did well at the canadian rc but it's even lower to the ground running some number of monastery swift spears a bunch of two mana haste guys uh felden ronam excavator in one version and uh, a bunch of bloodthirsty adversaries in the of other. Uh, I saw like Andrew streaming with this. It seemed fine. It, it seemed, you know, kind of like a pre-boarded version for the Esper decks. But boy, Monastery Swissphere was just not very exciting in it most of the time. So I feel like I'd prefer the Rakdos deck from the Canadian tournament. Yeah, I don't. I think they're similar in that they're both Rakdos, but they don't play very similarly. This one's like kind of truly an aggro deck and it's trying to get the the last points and using this rule to open up a path yeah yeah they're playing kumano faces kakazan as well so it's definitely trying to beat down though i, I will say one thing i think this deck recognizes is how much damage shieldred like kind of passively does <laughs> mm-hmm. because she's really good against the mono white decks because she just nickels and dimes them uh, and that's a way you can actually get damage through to them without being in combat yeah, she's like actually a really like the best Hell Rider that we have access to. Yes. So way better than Thundering Raiju. Yes. And Raiju is good, but I've also I've seen good players put four in their mono red deck, and I've heard good players say like you shouldn't play any in your mono red deck. So you know. There's a lot more consensus not... on children. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's also a copy of Archfiend of the Dross, at least in Alan Bogan's list, which is super sweet. That's the 6-6 six, six for 4 mana with flying and the oil counter mechanic. Yes. Uh, I, I just enjoy that card when you're about killing your opponent. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it'll do it, probably. I guess you just don't really want to put 4 shielded in your deck sometimes if you just really want to cast every card whenever you can. But yeah, I, don't, I don't know. Swisspear does look pretty bad in this deck list, though. Like, there's... <sighs> 16 spells 20 creatures yeah there just was a need for a better one drop in the deck and there just wasn't one i think so if only they could have played scrove scrove would have been yes scrove would be very good in this deck it's it's just good with it's a combo with shieldred yeah scrove continues to impress me in the decks i see it in standard or pioneer yeah it's it's just good Ooh, it looks like canister picked up the uh, Pascal Maynard deck in the Saturday challenge to a four, two. So not, you know, yeah. Went the four full out ha- four hallowed haunting, uh, in this deck. <laughs> yeah. Committing to the plan. 
Which I, I can actually appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, know what you're about. Like, Hallowed Haunting is very good against the black-red deck that, well, that, well, that can't kill it because you have another enchantment in play to sacrifice to invoke. So if you play Hallowed Haunting, they play invoke, and then you untap with your Hallowed Haunting. Like, the game is pretty much over. Yes, and I didn't mention it while we were talking about uh, Maynard's decklist, but Teaching of the Karen makes a spirit, so you get double value off of it with Hallowed Haunting. Yeah, I don't know that that is a... <laughs> synergy that's particularly important in any given game it's really driving the the deck's archetype here like teachings of the kieran is a two mana enchantment that affects the board but slightly boy, you really I, wish I just did like i just got finished talking thing. about how bad spirited companion is generally as an aggressive thing mm -hmm. teaches the karen is not better no it's really not you do mill your katilda sometimes value uh, which is what she she becomes an aura right she's one of the second wave of spirits yeah she becomes <laughs> a five mana aura oh that's gross i don't i don't care for that yeah it's i'm sure it's relevant it's, and it comes up but i don't that's not what i want to do <laughs> she is a nice way of you know one thing that collins was talking about that is a weakness of the white deck is just how little life gain you actually get to play in the mono white deck and which is why so she just kind of end good. up Right, you die to shield your triggers and invoke two damage things. But this deck between Jukai Naturalist having lifelink and Katilda, the body having lifelink, and then eventually when you put it onto something and swing and gain a bunch of life, uh, then like it, you don't die to these little like two damage things adding up over the course of a long game. You don't die to like, oh crap, they flipped their graveyard trespasser and now they get two. Like you gain a lot of life, and I think that's a part of the draw here too. Oh, have you seen? I, I know, I'm sure you have, but this Orisog midrange deck that's like pops up every now and then as like an alternative to the mono white control deck, but you're just playing black for Kaya's. Yeah, I think we like very briefly mentioned it last episode, but yeah, like uh, Willie Adel's deck here. Do you have any different takes on it, or is it just the same? Like, yep, uh, this is a thing you can do. No, I I think it's. I mean, I I think there's a couple of things to note. Uh, number one is, and I think the mono other mono white decks have also picked up Steel Seraph, which is just an acknowledgement of like you gotta gain life. It you can't just like play these long games and take two damage from every single card they play and then hope you manage to kill them faster than that. Like Kaya is just a way of ending the game before turn eighteen, <laughs> and sometimes like she kills them a lot faster than uh Sanctum uh warden sanctuary warden does she is a lot worse against invoke despair so you have to be aware of getting invoked before you cast your kaya yeah okay that, that's kind of my read on it it's just mostly the same deck but you, you do some kaya stuff and it is sometimes better and sometimes worse yeah i imagine that duress's post board are also really good because that's a very different card that like you just don't have white cards that are good in situations where duress is where duress shines so i think that's a big deal too yeah i could see that i wonder if it's worth like getting away from how mono white is like you've, you've got a very know. clean mana base you get to play a bunch of utility lands you don't have to play a bunch of fixing well not that you're playing a ton of fixing because you've still got the the bunch of field of ruins to get your basics but because you're playing two colors you have to play enough of your basics plus a couple dual lands and you don't get to play all the utility lands that mono white gets to 
Yeah, it definitely makes it a little worse. And right, you don't have the option to be roadside reliquary. Like you have to or be, the Mirex. Yeah, or Mirex. You kind of have to be doing a decent number of Field of Ruins. But as long as that is good, then this is probably fine. Okay. Uh, anything you notice from uh, Sunday's challenge? Well, you know, a bunch of decks that I probably wouldn't play up here, <laughs> like Azorius Soldiers in first place, Mono Blue Tempo in second place. But this is the Sunday challenge. Like the Sunday Standard Challenge is just where, like, we where goof arounds go to have fun, right? Like it's chaos mode. The, that's kind of how the Sunday Challenge feels in general. Yeah, <laughs> not just the not just the standard one. It's just Sunday is the day where. Maybe you didn't play Saturday, or maybe you did, and you're just you're taking one for the team. You're relaxing here. Yep. Jund in ninth place. Yeah, I was just looking at that. I don't know why it's there. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, and it's even still an Invoke Despair deck. I, I guess the, the joke is try to cast a Capricious Hellraiser to cast your Invoke Despair. Yeah, that's and... the only like synergy. And you get Glissa, which is a, a solid three drop. But again, that's working harder for a Corpse Appraiser. Yeah, I mean, I think Glissa is a an actually fantastic creature in a lot of ways. I think that if it were in different colors, it would be a mainstay of the format. But it's kind of the only good green card in Standard. And that makes it really, really difficult to play a green three drop. If it were almost any other combination of colors like it would find a spot but it is tough when there's green in that mana cost but every time i've seen it in play it has been impressive it's just some of the cards around it have not been i'll be honest i, I played against this in pioneer last weekend out of end of deck and mm-hmm. i remembered that the card was a 3-3 first strike death toucher and i didn't care i knew it drew a card when it hit me Mm-hmm. And I didn't feel like reading it, so I just like chump blocked it a bunch. Yeah, and we proceeded on with the game until I eventually won. <laughs> Were they doing the binding the old gods Glissa Sunslayer combo? Is that a combo? Yeah. So you play binding, uh-huh. or you play Glissa, and then on your next turn you play binding and you kill a thing, and then you attack with Glissa and you can remove a counter from Ooh. it, and then you can you know. No, I think my opponent boarded out Binding the Old Gods against me because I didn't have very many creatures. Alright, I guess it doesn't do anything against you. But that probably is what they were playing. uh, Yeah, I believe it. But yeah, I don't think you're supposed to make green mana in standard right now, unfortunately. Whoa, whoa, what about these enchantment decks, Chris? Okay, I guess that's a little different. You're not supposed to make green mana in a mid-range, like, fair stuff deck. I don't think that that's a good plan. I, I think this uh, enchantment deck is really kind of a mono white deck that gets to play commute with spirits and Jukai Naturalist. Sure. <laughs> sure. It, it is. It shares a lot of DNA with the white deck, yeah. Yeah, it sucks. The green sucks. Maybe next set, you know, with Renin 8. What was it? Renin and Realm Breaker? That card doesn't seem good to me. I thought it was fantastic when I thought it that it untapped the land. And then. Someone told me that it's not untapped the land, and I'm like, oh, that's disappointing. <laughs> it's a card that lends itself to various misreadings, because the plus one feels like it should untap the land, and the minus feels like it should get back any permanents in your graveyard, but it only gets back permanents that it mills. It's like minus two, Oh, mill does three. it really? Wow, I missed yeah. this card multiple ways. Yes. This card was so yes. much better See, in my head. <laughs> exactly. It, it When you just like 
skim it, it's like, okay, all right, this does something. And then you like read it again and you realize that neither it's plus one nor it's minus kind of really do anything. It makes a lot more sense why it starts at four loyalty with two, what I thought were broken abilities. (laughs) (laughs) It turns out both abilities uh, mostly suck. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Man, poor Rin. Gets one good card, dominates modern for years. Oh, wait, why am I sympathizing Conti- with her? <laughs> continue, gets banned in Legacy, continues to be perhaps the best card in modern or at least one of them. Yeah. Okay, she's doing fine. She probably doesn't. Yeah, she's one. doing okay. She dies in the story. Spoiler alert. This is too late for a spoiler alert. Oh, that's so sad. She's getting rescued by angels in that art. Yeah, she I guess doesn't, she doesn't get rescued it. by angels and killed later. Yeah. But, you know, they, they have a nice little funeral where they bury her acorn so maybe she grows back i don't know how dryads work that does seem like a a mechanism for bringing her back yeah let's see what is this reasonably different just guy control deck the killer suv is michael Plummer, right i Um, don't know but i see their name all the time but this is a like wandering mind just guy deck if you're trying to like go bigger than their actos decks this is a list that you are allowed to register and probably is like fine it's got the memory deluges and farewells in it which is the those are the requirements for being a go bigger than rectos deck deck (laughs) you can't leave home without these six seven mana cards that get you up from terrible situations (laughs) farewell solves a lot of situation oh, it is fairly priced at six mana don't get me wrong that card yeah. is hard to come back from if you're <laughs> relying yes, on the grave you... in any way especially um but yeah nothing else like too wild these challenge meta games are closer to the canadian meta there is a fair amount of esper legends the mid-range decks have gotten a little bit smaller in order to address esper legends i think the reason for the jun mid-range deck is kind of like a bunch of the removal slots in the other mid-range decks become cut downs and then glissa sunslayer becomes a card that comes down on turn three and your opponent looks at their hand and is like oh i don't have an answer to that thing and that's like part of the motivation there and you definitely can't beat it on the board first strike that touches it's a combo yeah <laughs> uh should we take a quick second to talk about explorer you're gonna to have to walk me through this one because my explorer knowledge has not improved since the yeah, last I've, week. I've actually played a bunch of matches, and I don't think my explorer knowledge has improved either. So here are some things I've learned. Uh Rakdos is just still really good. I really haven't been losing to anything in particular with it. Uh Thoughtseize is incredible. I'm pretty much playing Shoda's Pioneer deck just ported to explore just replacing the dread boars so play against a lot of control decks and just being a Rakdos deck with thought season then mute vaults like you just kill your opponent before they can stabilize and you're just like constantly threatening like if you tap out i'll deal like four to six damage to you and you'll you'll die i still want to shout out shout out for just excellent deck building because those mute vaults yeah. are so strong Dude, just building a better Rakdos deck when everybody's been playing Rakdos for a year in Pioneer is... The deck is just better. It's just a better version of the deck. As expected of Mr. Yasuoka. Yeah. Not surprising that it came from him, but still like pretty wild that 
it didn't happen before with like everybody playing Rakdos. Uh, I have to ask about creativity because that's a deck that you can you can't play it straight up in Explorer the way you can in Pioneer because there's no World Spine Worm or Xenagos, right? But there's this own there's another combo with the Locust God. <laughs> Right. Yeah, you can do like the Locust God and the dude who like draws a card whenever a creature enters the battlefield. So you yeah. just like make a bunch of one ones and kill him. I haven't played against that at all. It's probably fine. Like it that's probably better than doing any of the like you know, I've played against like an Atraxa version and that was unimpressive. And... I I think jumping through I, I don't like the creativity deck generally, like in Pioneer. Mm-hmm. But I feel like jumping through all those hoops just to put in a tracks into play and not kill your opponent is not worth it. Your cards are just yeah. not good enough. And you can't fool yourself into thinking you're like a fine blue bread control deck after board because you just aren't. You're just not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, unless you have the cards that are like specifically targeted to be a control deck against like this opponent. Like Shark Typhoon is really good against this opponent or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I haven't played against any creativity decks that have felt impressive to me yet i'm sure that there is a build that is fine though and it probably does involve that combo because being that threatening when you creativity with x equals two is like really important yes i I think that's key to basically how many bad cards you have to kind of play in your deck Mm -hmm. like and cards you're not allowed to play like creatures or artifacts (laughs) creatures are good like so is reckon a ringbuster bone crusher giant or brazen borrower or whatever yeah not being able to play bank buster is is tough for sure especially like the way that it combos with all of your instant speed spells it would be great to be able to play a bank to sideboard into bank busters yeah but you can't and that nope. that that's kind of why i've not enjoyed the deck very much yep uh there's a fair amount of grease fang it's you know pretty much intact from pioneer I haven't really had troubles with it, but I don't I don't know how strong my Grease Fang opponents have been on Arena generally, but a combination of graveyard trespassers and instant speed interaction has just made it really tough for them to Grease Fang me. And so that hasn't really been a challenge. Gruel seems pretty fine. The Crown War is a good card and they're playing a lot of them as they should be, and the the deck seems completely acceptable. Uh, there's a lot of blue white control. I suspect that my opponents playing blue white control on arena ladder that their decks are not optimized and their plays are not optimized and their sideboarding plans are not quite there because they're just kind of getting ranched by the cards in the Rakdos deck and if you're playing the control deck like you have to have a better plan than just like hope I don't get thought seized and hard cast the shark typhoon or whatever people have been trying to do against me yep I also think that on magic arena especially there's a lot of I don't want to say pressure but just kind of like incentives to play whatever you can and like playing and Mm -hmm. if you're just playing control decks especially in arena for fun you're just like gonna jam whatever yeah the stakes are so low that you're not like incentivized to maximize like you're incentivized to maximize your enjoyment yeah and it's not trivial to own guards on mtg arena like, we haven't right. talked about that in a very long time i guess thankfully but it, it's, it's right. a still it's a thing. process to get the cards uh, i have not played against very much angels but i suspect that angels is quite good 
and I would like I I'm planning on playing some and seeing where it stands in the metagame because it just seems like it should be pretty good to play a lot of collected companies and uh, like I'm going to try an elves version first because that seems stronger and smoother to me than just cast one spell a turn starting on turn hopefully two but maybe turn three and just get there eventually i i don't hate the get there eventually no elf Mm -hmm. approach especially if the way explorer is broken down like there's no lotus field that's one of angel's horrendous matchups right Uh, and you do prey on the creature decks pretty well Mm -hmm. and they're not that fast you're just going to catch up pretty easily you don't need to speed through your like turns as much so I could see the no elves angels deck being the way to go and explore. Yeah, that's possible. I think that spirits is like kind of present and that would encourage me to be an elves version. I don't know how much spirits may, you know, I can only bring back what I have personally played against yeah. in my sample size. So I don't know what, what the meta is actually like, um, but yeah, because there is not really a combo deck and the, you know, I, I can definitely see it just being like every one of my spells is high impact and I can only cast one a turn, but I'm just going to keep doing it. Yeah. And like then eventually make an angel here. token with your resplendent angel and you're off to the races. Right. Yeah. So angels is probably the next thing that I'm going to just kind of jam into the format and see how that goes. One thing that is kind of obnoxious. I, I just keep running into like decks that I can't port to explore because they're missing one key card and it's very obnoxious and it's it's generally brews too. Our friend Davin like brews a lot of decks in Pioneer and Modern and he's been posting Pioneer decks and each time he posts one I'm just like, "Eh, you know, I'll put it together on Arena and see if I can play it and explore." And so he built like a Goblins deck, like a Goblin Ringleader Nahiri deck like red white and it looked really cool and i was like i bet i could put that together but there's no legion loyalist on Mm -hmm. arena yeah one of the better goblins to be honest yeah and a a really important one for like beating a sika's chariot and stuff like that and you just don't have it so it just didn't build the deck and then he posted another like mono red fires deck that used like cleansing wildfire to ramp into fires and looked really sweet and i wanted to try it but not badly enough to like go rent it on moto and play it in a pioneer league but then I couldn't throw it together on Arena because Warping Whale is not on Arena. Is Warping Whale that important? So, Oh, it lets you accelerate. Yeah, it gets you to, to four mana a turn earlier. It's also a, a Transmogrify deck, so it's really important for like getting oh, okay. you to Transmogrify. I didn't realize it was a Transmogrify deck. You may have said yeah, that and I missed it. I didn't say it, but uh, yeah, it is also a Transmogrify deck. So Warping Whale does like a lot of really important stuff for it. It's not on Arena. And so just like little weird key role players that aren't and running into them and being like, okay, this isn't, <sighs> this isn't available is a frustrating moment every time that it happens. I would really like for them to just, even if it's not war- getting Warping Whale specifically, I just kind of like them to push more cards to explore to make a match pioneer. Like at least put the Lotus Field stuff in there. Some yeah, of the more definitely. Return, return to Ravnica stuff. Like I can't play the Pro Tour winning deck with world spine warrior and Zenigos, because those cards aren't arena yeah yeah definitely fix the tier one decks first get those cards in there but there are important role players that just aren't in every time you're like i have 56 of 60 cards available on magic online it's like a pretty big feel bad yeah 
Magic Arena. <laughs> All right, on Magic Arena. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's my. Have you I, have you played anything other than Rakdos so far? I know you said you're just playing it a bunch and not losing, so I don't know why you'd switch except for boredom. I played some Enigmatic Incarnation because I was like <laughs> the only like. Clearly the best deck is Rakdos, so let me try the deck that beats Rakdos, and it was fine. I didn't really enjoy playing it against the Memory Deluge decks that I keep beating as Rakdos, so I switched back. Yeah, I, I have to imagine there's a good contingent of Memory Deluge decks. It's like half of what I play against, I think. <laughs> and I don't know. It It is wild that the mid-range deck just feels like so good against the control decks i like i get that it's because they've printed just way better mid-range cards over the past couple of years and this is even the topic of discussion on the most recent dominaria's judgment but it still feels weird to me that i can roll up game one with my mid-range deck against the yorion deck and just feel like oh man like my card each turn is better than their card each turn and eventually they're going to die and you have inevitability, which is something I kind of dislike. Like, the creature lands from AFR are really strong. They are. And the Kamigawa ones are also pretty good. Like, not necessarily for Octus, but, like, do you all play Takanuma? Yeah, there's a Takanuma in the Shota deck. And that's just, like, but... an extra card. Right, it's in free. In your mana base. Something that control decks do not typically get. Like, they can play Hall of the Storm Giant, or Hall of Storm Giants, whatever it's called. Mm -hmm. But that's not that's like the end of the game like when the game is right. won it's not helping them win <laughs> no and and having a den of the bugbear or a hive of the eye tyrant like in play is like transformative to what your cards are doing mm -hmm. because you you can play into like i'm dealing damage and if they supreme verdict me like so be it i'm gonna hit them for four right after they supreme verdict and then they're dead to a stomp for the rest of the game and that's that's really rough for the control deck yeah i, I mean yes <laughs> <laughs> but i guess listen to the dominaria's judgment episode which i haven't for, yet for I, more I will soon but <laughs> yes also showed his list just happens to have two lilianas in it which are obviously all stars against the memory deluge decks yeah of course anything that drinks the game yeah yeah, I think that's good for this episode. Kind of just a a brief discussion of a couple of formats. And uh, next week we will have Collins here going into U.S. regionals. And I think we should have some pretty granular information on what the standard format looks like. And we'll just really focus down on that. I think that's pretty good for today. Yeah, I mean, the the mom story, Marshall Machines, mm -hmm. just just kind of wrapped up. So previews will roll out, you know, in a little while that'll be fun too yeah maybe we'll find out how battles work and we can actually talk about it then uh if we don't find out how battles work tomorrow we can spend the entire next episode with collins just speculating how they work we'll just make up the rules ourselves we'll just keep interrupting him as he like talks about his thoughts on the format to just like oh but what if they yeah collins have you said considered playing Rakdos with the uh the battle i just made up in my head <laughs> <laughs> it works like this this time what plane would a red battle be? Battle for Zendikar. Wait, is that card just called Battle for Zendikar? The green one? Yeah. What was I it called? No idea. It can't be called Battle for Zendikar, right? That would be two on the nose. It's called Invasion of Zendikar. Invasion of Zendikar. 
it's completely different. Plus, Zendikar is the green plane. The red plane would be... Um, I don't actually know. I don't know. Is I guess Innistrad is a black plane. Yeah, Innistrad's the black plane. I'm trying to think of the souls from one of the core sets. I know that Soul of Ravnica was blue. Maybe like Dominaria regions will get battles, like so we can have a battle for Shiv and stuff. But, but there's no battle on Dominaria in the story. Like they're oh, all on Kaldheim and oh, Theros are they... and stuff like that. Why haven't Kamigawa? Why aren't the the Frexians targeting Dominaria? Is it just because they I'm lost there before? I'm sure so they they're are... just like leaving that for last. I think their goal is to target everything, right? But right. in the story, they have the planeswalkers like as generals, and mm -hmm. all of those planeswalkers go to their planes. Mm -hmm. So like Luca goes to Akoria and stuff like that. Gotcha. And they don't have any Dominaria planeswalkers yet. Yeah, I guess not. I guess it kind of makes sense because like Dominaria is like the main plane and also like where the Phyrexians lost before this this part of the story I actually do know that the very ground rose up against the Phyrexians in the form of the Kavu so that's that's what a Kavu is perhaps gathering their strength by conquering all of the other planes is their plan and then they come to Dominaria at the end if only they hadn't lost <laughs> we could just have all Phyrexians in every I, set i think i'd rather have another dominaria set than another ixalan set so i'm a I little mean, sad sure. i bet they're not even attacking ixalan i think the phyrexians don't even care about ixalan <laughs> they're just like this place is kind of boring the mechanics like, on this plane aren't fun explore we just look at the top card of our deck that's it <laughs> man someone we can wrap up the podcast, I guess, but I have to get this off my chest because I've thought of it now. <laughs> so, there was like a Twitter thing where you you describe your four most favorite like standard cards since you've been playing, and a lot of people had really good ones. Uh, I had a bunch of ones which were cards I really enjoyed in my time playing standard in one mm -hmm. way or another. And then someone's list was like Merfolk Ranch Walker, <laughs> Wild Growth Walker, Jade Light Ranger, and I'm like, come on, give me something. <laughs> I think I'd start with uh, Dusk to Dawn. That's 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 my that's a first, good one. Like I love this as a standard card. Yeah, mine were all weirder cards. Like I really like God Pharaoh's Gift and mm -hmm. Dynavolt Tower and like uh, the War of the Spark Tamio. Yeah, War, yeah, War of the Spark Tamio is kind of your invitational card. I so. love that card. It is so cool. <laughs> I played against it today. It's got I, all the stuff I like doing, which is naming cards and looking at the top card of my library to throw them all away. And my second favorite thing to do, which is my opponent does something on board that doesn't work and I get to point at the card. Yes. No, my opponent cast a Tamiyo and I had a Thoughtseize and a Shieldred's Edict in my hand. And I had to take like very weird lines in order to <laughs> unlock my cards from there. At least you didn't just gleefully cast them into the Tamiyo. <laughs> Oh, I have a two-mana spell that removes a Planeswalker. Let's yeah, go. Let's do that. No. This is, it's I, perfect for this moment. I I played enough <laughs> mostly against you on Nexus of Fate to know what Tamio does, so... I, I cast a Bone Crusher Giant and passed the turn. That's solid. Yeah. Anyway, we can we can be done now. I didn't want to hold us up to just That's rant fun. about how bad Explore is. <laughs> <laughs> it's... 
it's not even that bad it's just boring it's it's not that bad right it's just a weird thing to have as like a big mechanic with i don't know but it it did play really smoothly and limited it's a great limited mechanic so yeah i, I can't be that mad at it i can be mad at like wild growth walker being a thing in standard where people just like all right here's my three five i've gained six life <laughs> it was funny because i knew that it was coming like so many people played it on arena like pre-rotation because people just love doing wild growth walker into explore it wasn't good enough and then rotation happened and it was a teeny tiny standard format and then actually became good and and i think people were very excited to do it then i know and people i i don't hate on anyone who really liked that format it just so happens that that particular slice of the format was one i just did not like at all yeah like i didn't really start enjoying that format until war this part came out which is an unpopular opinion for all the War of the Spark haters, but that's actually when I began enjoying the Guilds of Ravnica format. <laughs> yeah, but that's when Wild Growth Walker really took off because you could command the Dreadhorde with it. Yeah, but I could also like play Tamiya. Do, so do other cool. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> all right, that's enough. Explore and Planeswalker discourse. Yeah, join us next week for all our, all our battle speculation. Yes, and perhaps some actual discussion of standard. Yeah, yeah, also that. Thank you all for listening. Have a great week. Bye.